And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 128 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, what happened in the 128th season of Giants baseball? Um, well, let's see. We're on about 138, I believe. So that would be 10 years ago, which would put us at, I guess, 2010. And uh, oh, that was the year that Mark DeRosa hit a home run on opening day. You were good. You were good. I thought that, you know, I thought that was a trick question. But 1883, the New York Gotham started play. And 128 years after that, the San Francisco Giants won their first World Series. How about that? Yeah, I wrote a book about it. And uh, so I remember every detail uh, with with perfect clarity. And the funny thing about that team is that was the team that taught me a valuable lesson, which is the team that starts the season is not the team that ends the season. And it is almost comical to go back and look at what the opening day lineup was with John Bowker's and Benji Molina's and, and Mark DeRosa's in left field. And, and, uh, you know, uh, guys like um, Cody Ross and Pat Burrell were a gleam in your eye at that point, and um, they went on to do some pretty special stuff. I mean, the whole story of the spring was John Bowker or Nate Cheerholtz. Nate Cheerholtz or John Bowker. And the answer was, no, the the Florida teams are just going to give away outfielders. Like, that's the answer. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see where this Giants team will go. I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, they, they, they kind of have uh, players that they've assembled at this point that aren't really churning through the roster that they think they like. And now they've got a new one with... Uh, Mike Talkman to add into their outfield mix. And, you know, I thought you wrote a good piece the other day talking about how the, the t- this team getting off to a good start means that they're probably going to be even more focused on the here and now um, uh, in, in terms of some of the roster decisions they make and some of the playing time they allot. And that means that they're, you know, they're probably not going to call up Elliot Ramos earlier than they need to or, or, or make, uh, you know, some development-based decisions. They're, this is a team that that has some cool stuff in front of them, and 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 they're uh, they're going for it. Yeah, name of the show uh, today is Talkin' Talkman with Bags and Brisby. This is Talkman Talk. Talkman Talk or Talkin' Talkman? Which one do you like? I like them both. Let's uh, let's go Talkin' Talkman. I like that one. All right, Talkin' Talkman. That move kind of surprised me. I thought about it before the season. I actually wrote a little uh, capsule thinking the Yankees might trade him, but it surprised me. Like that move kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it's you just don't see a lot of major leaguer for major leaguer trades at the end of April. I mean, it's just it's really kind of rare. You'll see guys get, you know, claimed off waivers or they have to, a team has to put someone on the 40 man and someone else has to get designated and maybe you see waiver deals here and there. Um, but Wandy Peralta is, you know, a, a 
pretty decent major league reliever. I know he, he doesn't have a lot of track record of success, but he's a lefty who's got an option, who throws four pitches, which makes him a little unique, who can can throw a, a fairly decent fastball, and you know he he's got a lot of stuff that has arm side run in on left-handed hitters, and so. You know, you can see why the Giants liked him. You can see why the Yankees like him. But he's not a guy that you necessarily trade this early in the season. Mike Talkman, same thing. He was he might have been the Yankees' best hitter the last two months of 2019, and uh, and has uh, some pretty nice skills that the Giants have 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 kind of coveted for a long time. And you just you know he hadn't been playing very much because they had Brett Gardner, they had you know Aaron Judge is healthy, uh, Giancarlo Stanton's taken up that G, the DH spot, so he had like 16 plate appearances. And I think that the the Yankees probably would have traded Talkman in the spring, but you know if you're the Yankees, you're probably a little wary of of starting the year without a lot of insurance until you see the Judge and Stanton and those guys who've been hurt so much um, will actually be able to start the season healthy. So I think they got to that point. They realized Talkman wasn't playing a whole lot. He doesn't have any options, so they'd have to DFA him if they wanted to take him off the roster. And they were probably getting close to making that decision, and then the the, the Giants swooped in and. and and got a deal done. So yeah, it, it's it's really kind of a unique trade, and it's one that I think will probably end up helping both clubs. I was a little surprised that they traded Peralta. He has a lot of things that the Giants uh, like. Got funky pitches. He can get righties out as well as lefties. As exit velocities, some of the best in the league uh, for two years running, top 10% in the league. Really low hard hit percentage. I was a little surprised that he was the guy, not Harleen Garcia or, you know, I, I was surprised that he was the lefty who was who was voted off the island. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's the guy that the Yankees wanted over, you know, Harleen Garcia, who's on the injured list right now. And, and I don't think that the Giants would have given up, you know, Caleb Barrier, who's got a lot more optionability and club control. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little surprising that the Giants would, even though they've got a billion lefties, that they would kind of dip into that reserve because like we said, Garcia is on the injured list right now. Uh, Jake McGee has had a, a couple, you know, a little uh, iffy outings lately. And I don't think that that's going to you know, cause him to lose his closer spot. But, you know, the, the le- it's not like the lefty relievers, they've got, you know, um, you know, five Billy Wagners down there mowing people down right now. Um, so yeah, they, they definitely kind of crossed a bridge there by trading Wandy. On the other hand, it's another example of the old paperclip theory where, you know, you pick up a guy off waivers, you, you know, build his value and you trade him for something that you like even more. And that's, that's kind of what the Giants did. I mean, Wandy Peralta was a waiver claim. So, um, you know, they've added a guy in Talkman who, yeah, he's 30, but he's also not going to be a free agent until 2025. 20, so if he really does take off and, and, and looks like he can be a valuable part of uh, a Giants team for a couple years, then they'll have him under club control. And that's, that's a good thing. And I think, I think a couple things, this sort of shows that they don't want Austin Slater to face a lot of right-handed pitching. You made that point very well. Um, and also, Alex Dickerson's not off to the greatest start either. And, you know, this is not Francisco Lindor off to a, a slow start. This is a, you know, these are guys who don't have a track record of, you know, all-star type success. So it's probably pretty smart for the Giants to hedge their bets a little bit and give them another place to pivot. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean? airplanes stream direct tv without a satellite dish call 1-800-DIRECT-TV terms or restrictions apply 
who is Talkman going to take at bats from? Is it Slater against righties? Is it Dubon? Is it both? How is he going to fit in this lineup? It seems like he's there to take Slater's at bats and Slater is back to being the platoon guy. Yeah, I think that that's, that's probably the, the best read. They have said that, that the Talkman will get most of his at bats against right-handed pitching. And, you know, they could throw out an all-lefty outfield and an all-righty outfield when uh, Mike Yastrzemski's back, and, and they just put him on the injured list, but they think he'll be ready when, when those 10 days are up. But yeah, you can have Yaz, Talkman, and, and Dickerson out there one day, and you can have Ruff, Slater, and Dubon out there the next day. And I think that Slater is probably the guy who would lose the most time because he won't, probably won't play as much against right-handers. But also, you know, Brandon Crawford, and he's got four homers, and he's had a couple big hits. He also has a 260 on base percentage to start the year, and, and that's not super great. And I do think that there may be a lot of times when maybe Dubon will start in place of Crawford, and then uh, you've got Talkman who can play center because they won't need uh, Mauricio out there. You actually stole my next point, which is I ah. think Crawford might lose some of that because, okay, so his on-base percentage isn't where it could be, but I think Dubon's defense at short has been surprising, and it's given the Giants reason to play him there more. Yeah, I agree. I think he's looked really good defensively. You know, he seems like he's, where he's really still kind of struggling is on the base paths. Um, generally not a good idea to bowl into your third base coach when you have your head down and, and literally run through a stop sign. But yeah, defensively, I think he's looked really good. Um, and defensively, really, I this team has surpassed expectations for me mm-hmm. early in the year. I mean, Wilmer Flores has made some nice plays. He's threw a ball all the way too. But yeah, I think defensively, there are a lot of guys who are off to pretty decent starts. Right now, the Giants have a 12-man pitching staff. Do you think they stick with that? Because the starting pitching is, they're absorbing innings a lot more than I expected. Do you think the the 12-man staff is here to stay or they're going to go back to 13? Because they've been at 13 for a couple of years now. Yeah, it's it's I, I, I do think that they probably... Well, you know, it, as long as the starters are going deep in the seat, into the into games... If you can stick with a 12-man staff for for this Giants team, that's a pretty big advantage because we kind of know already they're going to lead the major leagues in pinch hitting appearances by a pretty wide margin. They already do. Um, they're they're you know they've got uh, the line change that they can do in the middle of a game where they swap out lefty bats for righty bats. I, you kind of need to have a bigger bench to do that, and uh, so I think as much as they can. Um, go with, uh, uh, you know, 14 position players and 12 pitchers, then I I think that there are some advantages to that. Now, you know, we're in April where I'm looking at the schedule here and there was one, two, three, four. We're recording this on the 29th. This is their fourth day off in April. And we kind of know that the way the major league schedule goes, you end up getting some pretty big swaths of, of, uh, of, of the schedule where you don't have a day off. And usually those are on either side of the all-star break where, you know, a team is going to play, you know, 19 days without a day off or, or et cetera. Um, I'm looking at it and, and it does seem like the days off are, are sort of mixed out a little bit better than they usually are. But yeah, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have points where the team's going to play a lot of games in a row. And, um, and that's usually when your bullpen is, is the most taxed. And I, I would imagine it'd be pretty easy for them to level up to 13 pitchers uh at, at those junctures or you know as as events warrant and if a starter gets knocked out early they can always make a move at that point having guys with options is is kind of the key to to, to having that flexibility it's the biggest surprise of the season for me because the dodgers they lead the the world uh, their starters have thrown 154 innings pitched 
the Giants are second, 147 innings pitched. I mean, you have like the the Blue Jays. They their starters have combined for 101 innings. Like it, it's not normal for for a team like this to just keep going out in six innings, six innings, uh, seven innings. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's it's there's only been one or two really short starts all year, and um, that's been a huge stabilizing force. I mean, uh, you know, just it it's still kind of stunning. The, the number one stat of all the stats we can look at, you know, is how many runs are you giving up and how many runs are you scoring? And the Giants, as of our as of this moment, are giving up 3.2 runs per game. That's the lowest in the major leagues by a pretty healthy margin. Right. I mean, the, Do- the Dodgers are next at 3.52. The Padres are at 3.54. So the best run suppression in the major leagues is going on in the National League West. And, you know, I, yeah, the, the Rockies are, are pretty offensively challenged, but it's it's not like, you know, these three teams are just – you know, they're terrible offensively and they're all shutting each other out. I mean, the Padres are a good offensive club. The Dodgers are a good offensive club. The Giants think they're a good offensive club. So, yeah, it's the best pitching in baseball is happening in the NL West. Maybe that's not surprising. The surprising part is that the Giants are doing the best job. 147 innings, uh, 2.20 ERA from their starters. They're 10-2 and in 25 starts. Are they going to win the Cy Young, like, collectively? <laughs> yeah, right. It's a five-way tie. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to be the the ensemble cast uh, Emmy Award, right? Those are Cy Young stats, you know, yeah. 147. You know, like that's like Jacob Degrom. Like the whole rotation is built out of Jacob Degrom. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that poor poor Jacob. He didn't know that that's that's what happened when they they, they they dumped him into the mash tun and they told him just hang out. You'll you'll see some things happen soon. Don't worry. Um, we just have to mix you up and, and separate you into into your component parts. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> which of the starters is the most surprising to you or which I mean Kevin Gosman we all kind of saw as someone who was ace or ace adjacent coming into the season but which one to you has kind of stood out you know I was big on Descalfani before the in the offseason before the Giants even signed him so that doesn't quite surprise me it's it's Aaron Sanchez for me you know he's missing bad he's not walking the world like he's blown me away with how competent of a major league pitcher he is boy yeah though if, if just watching his starts though he has I mean I, I don't mean to you know be the wet blanket but, I mean, it should be pointed out that he's thrown a lot of hangers that, that teams have just swung through. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, he's faced the Marlins twice. He's faced the Rockies. Um, and, yeah, he's he's gone five innings three times and gotten within an out of getting going five innings two other times. So he's really been limited in terms of his exposure. The most pitches he's thrown is 82. The fewest is 66. But you know what? Good for him. I mean, he's working efficiently. He's working like he's he kind of reminds me of like what Jeff Samarja did the one year where he struck yeah. out a bunch of people and, and walked like no one. Basically saying, look, my job is to get innings as efficiently as possible. I'm just going to put it there in the strike zone and and hope you hit it at somebody. And and that was you you knew that was what he saw as his value to that team in 2000. I forget if it was 18 or 17, uh, where he had that ridiculous strikeout to walk ratio. But that's kind of what Aaron Sanchez is doing. He's like, okay, I don't have my best velocity, but you know what? Give him some credit because it would be very easy for someone like him who's throwing 89 to be like you know to pitch away from contact. And he's not doing that. He's filling up the strike zone. And he, this is a guy who has, you know, issued his fair number of walks over over his career. And he did walk five in his last outing, uh, which is why he couldn't get through five innings. But this is a guy who's getting through five innings um, with with some, you know, pretty marginal uh, stuff. The, the breaking ball is still a good pitch. Um, and, and I think that's what he's kind of riding a little bit. But, yeah, I, I kind of look at some of the pitches that other teams have missed. And I think 
the Dodgers are not going to miss those pitches. So, right, you know, right. so so we'll see. But hopefully he can build up and get a little sharper, get a little better as he goes along. And which is, you know, it's a process for him coming off the surgery. With a little more time to think, I now, now that I think about it, hearing that Alex Wood was hurt in the spring, your brain automatically goes, oh, that's it for that. It was a, it was a good idea. You know, that that's all we're going to see from Alex Wood. So him, you know, like the way he's pitched, he's pitching like he did when he finished ninth in the Cy Young voting in 2017. He's that good again. Yeah, no, that's, I, I think that's a great point. Um, he really is kind of the standout guy, I think, for me, too, just because of the injury. And, and you know, you hear nerve ablation in his back and you think, well, 60 day injured list. But um, <laughs> right. but he, he's had it before and and he knew how his body would respond to it. And, you know, the, the Giants were saying, well, he's going to throw a bullpen at the end of the week. I'm like, wait a second. He just had a needle in his back. Uh, this this is not uh, this is not going to happen. But, yeah, he built up rather quickly. And, and, and here he is, um, you know, sitting there with uh 18 innings and nine hits allowed and three walks and 20 strikeouts. That that will work. That will work. It's been three really really good starts and uh, and and man, he's funky. He he just looks he looks right. like he looks like a, just an uncomfortable matchup. And we saw it for years from the other side. You know when 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 Brandon Belt would go up there and just look like he has no idea where the ball's coming from. And, and now the Giants have that guy on their side. That's got to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, I think he's a great example of like the post statistical world. Uh, like Rich Hill was the very first example I can remember where. You scouted the guy and he said, that will play. I don't care what his stats are. I don't care if it was five inning small sample. Uh, that plays. And the Giants watched Alex Wood in the postseason, the World Series and said, oh, yeah, that'll play. Like, I don't care what he did the two years before that. He's back. And they're right. Yeah. And if you dream a little bit and you look at his 2017 stats when he was 16 and three with um, uh, a 272 ERA. I mean, if the Giants could get anything kind of close to that, wow. I mean, you, you pair him with, with Gossman, all of a sudden, they've got the kind of pitchers that you would not want to face in, in a short playoff series. So, you know, we're, we're putting the cart before the, the horse, before the trough, before the barn, before the whatever. But you have to like the start that they're off to. And, and, and you do realize that, you know, they're this rotation won't pinch this well all year. And, and there will be some times when they have to hand the ball to the bullpen a lot earlier and, uh, and times when, you know, they're going to need Alex Dickerson to have a month where maybe he hits eight home runs and carries the team a little bit or have other guys, you know, percolate. But I think even on the offensive side, you can point to the start Evan Longoria's off to the start that Buster Posey's off to and say, Hey, you know, this is there, there's a little more here than we thought. Yeah. We talked the last time about how the giants as hitters, they lead the league in and lead the world in uh, pitches per plate appearance. Giants pitchers also lead in a good way pitches per plate appearance. They uh, average 3.8 pitches per plate uh, plate appearance, and that is number one in the National League. I think that's, you know, the, obviously the starters are going deep into games, but it's letting them use pitchers like Wood effectively. And, you know, I think the plan was maybe four innings, five innings, get to the bullpen. They've just blown past that. Yeah, I look at Di Sclafani. He, he threw a, a, a shutout on 100 pitches total. I mean, that's, that's you know, Maduxian. And uh, first time a giant starter has done that, thrown a, a shutout on 100 pitches or less since Madison Bumgarner in 2014. And, and I, I looked it up in the first, the last time a giant did it at home, uh, through a, a shutout on 100 pitches or less. That was the near-perfect game by Yusmero Petit in 2013. So that's a pretty rare start. And, uh, um, you know, yeah, I, I think that the, the the message from both sides has been control the strike zone. You know, uh, don't kill yourself with walks. And, um, you know, and, and if you're a pitcher and if you're a hitter, you know, don't get yourself out. And, uh, and, and I think that that message is really... Kind of, it's obviously hit home because it's been pretty, 
pretty uh, um, loudly reflected in the way that they've played thus far. You know, you're talking about Sanchez and how you know, there's hangers and sometimes you're wondering, well, is this going to play against the Dodgers? Desclafani, that stuff just like the second you see it, you get it like, oh, yeah, that's that's a, like a 95 mile per hour wiffle ball that just zips right back over the inside corner. His stuff is so much better than I, I gave it credit for. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the nice stuff is that they're all competitive pitches. I mean, he doesn't waste a lot of pitches. And that's what they talk about with Logan Webb, too. If they can get him to the point where his expand the zone pitches aren't complete waste pitches, but they're a little more competitive, then they feel like he can kind of join this efficiency parade that the rest of these guys are on. Um, because his stuff certainly is good enough. And just like Disclafani's stuff is good enough. And, you know, he, he shouted out to the Giants, uh, you know, pitching development people for helping him recognize, you know, what he was getting away from mechanically that, that, uh, you know, was, was, uh, hindering his, his fastball and his slider shape last season. And, and, um, you know, shouted those guys out and said, Hey, you know, this is, uh, they, they helped me get back to what I was doing right in 2019 when, you know, and if he can do that all season long, he's going to make a lot of money in the offseason. All right. So we've talked about the rotation and that's all happy fun stuff. The bullpen a little bit, a little dice here, but, but so build your bullpen. You are Gabe Kampler, you're Farhan. Build your bullpen. How do you see the bullpen going forward? Does it include Duvall? Are you going to fold in Santos at some point? Is Selman a long-term part of it? Or are you going to try and work in another lefty? What does your long-term bullpen for the Giants look like this this season? Well, first I go out and I sign Mark Melanson. Second, I go yes. out and I sign Armando <laughs> Benitez. Third, I go. Out, hey, um, no, no, no. Wait, <laughs> um, took a turn. One of those pitchers is still good. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I still kind of feel like they need a little more, and maybe maybe they feel like they already have that because John Brebbia will be a part of this bullpen at some point. And they really like him. Tyler Beattie right. could be a part of this bullpen at some point if that's where they want to break him in. And I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. Coming off Tommy John, you can control his pitch counts. You can really pick and choose when you put him in games, not necessarily build the rest of your rotation around you know, when it's okay to pitch him. I, I think Tyler Beattie could be a, a, a real bullpen asset on this team. So you know, they do have other people in the pipeline, not just you know the rookies. I, I, I was a little surprised that they did call up Santos and put him in those leverage spots, and obviously he gave up the homer uh, and, and and lost the game, uh, uh, the game that they dropped to Colorado on on Wednesday, um, and now he's back at the alternate site. But um, yeah, it's it does seem like they're putting some guys who don't have a lot of experience in spots that are maybe a bit too leveraged for them. Um, and the early returns were great, and then you you're reminded very swiftly that this is the big leagues and big league hitters are really good. So. Um, I don't know what I, how I would build the perfect bullpen. I think I would just make sure I have enough pieces that you can cover innings. And Oh, and, and also, you have to pitch Tyler Rogers every day. That's, that's in his contract. <laughs> you know, I have a question about Logan Webb and the plan to move him to the bullpen. Uh, it makes sense. The stuff might play up in the bullpen. Uh, you know, you, maybe in a shorter burst, you get a, even a little bit more velocity. I'm worried about his com- command and control in those short bursts because that's been his problem. It's not stuff. And so in a short burst, is is that going to fix his command? So I'm a little I'm a little skeptical about when Cueto comes back. Does he have a spot in that bullpen? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, he's got an option, so they could send him to the alternate side if they want to keep him stretched out. Um, you know, if, if, if they and I think maybe it might be a good idea to let Johnny pitch a time or two and make sure he's OK before, uh, you know, you really transition away from somebody who's already stretched out. Um, but yeah, it's. I think if you're uh, writing up a scouting report on Logan Webb, the bullpenner, you're probably saying, hey, you know, make this guy 
uh, throw strikes, make him execute on you, you know, don't go up there swinging at the first pitch. And uh, uh, I think the word is probably out, and it's going to be up to him to make that adjustment. But, um, you know, they, they, the Giants clearly like him, and they like the stuff, and they feel like he can be, um, you know, a pretty high-impact guy on this staff, or, he, or he, would, he would have been optioned already. He's an important part of the 2022 plans. You know, the Giants are going to have to build a rotation from scratch, basically, because you have a lot of pending free agents. They're going to want to know if he's going to be a cromulent Major League starter, and I think he's shown that he can be, even when he's a little bit wild. But at the same time, he might not be the best pitcher for the 2021 Giants in the rotation. It's a weird dynamic. Like, the Giants are rebuilding, reloading, contending... It's a mess. Yeah, it goes back to what you wrote. I mean, it, it's a lot. There was a lot of food for thought in that piece, you know, because it's just such a weird time for the organization. Weird time for everyone. I mean, you know, we know that this is not a baseball operations group that's going to be told what to do by the marketing department or by ownership. Uh, that's been very clearly stated. Um, at the same time, you know, you like to put a team out there that you. Know, you you can kind of leverage uh, from, from a marketing standpoint if, if they're playing well. And we know that they're not going to make a white flag trade. They didn't even do that a couple of years ago with Bumgarner and Will Smith. So it's just kind of funny to, to, to see the national reaction to how well the Giants are pitching is always through the lens of, wow, the Giants are going to be set up at the trade deadline to deal. They've got Gosman and Webb, and, and or not Webb, but Wood and Di Sclafani and Cueto and all these guys on one-year contracts and all these teams that are in contention are going to be interested in them. It's like, hey, wait a second. You're, you're missing kind of one big piece of context here. And that's the Giants are not going to be trading any of those pitchers if they're in contention. Um, but but they, you know, they are going to, I think, have to make more concessions to the here and now as as they go along and, and as uh, if they keep playing the way they are and, and, and staying where they are in the standings. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're going to have to be a little less patient uh, with, with development-type decisions. And we've seen that. We've already seen that to some extent. I mean, Connor Joe and Michael Reed would have gotten more than a week in the big leagues if if they didn't react to what they were seeing in a short sample. But uh, uh, but that may be even more pronounced going forward if, if the team continues to play well. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let me ask you this. Now, Logan Webb was drafted uh, 2014 out of Rockland High School in Rockland. So he joined the Giants when he was 17, pitched in rookie ball. He's been with them uh, for eight seasons now in the system. His career high in innings pitched for an entire season is 104 and two-thirds innings. At any level, at any point, it's the only time in his career he's pitched more than 100 innings. Is that going to become a factor this season? Are they going to try and limit his workload a little bit? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think that it's, it's kind of... It's kind of a guessing game for everyone, right? Because everyone's going to be ramping up pretty big from last year. But if you've never even thrown more than 104 innings, that that that's an even bigger argument uh, to shuffle Logan Webb between the rotation and the bullpen. Maybe between those two roles this year, he gets to 125 innings or 130 innings and uh, 140 innings, somewhere in that range. And, and that way, uh, you know, he's he's making some starts for you, but also, you know, hitting the pause button and throwing in shorter bursts in relief. And as long as he seems like he's okay doing that, and he, he at least mentally, uh, or at least cooperationally, is that a word, um, 
he seems to be okay with it, then then that probably would be an ideal way to to build him up this season. Well, he's going Friday against you, Darvish, and it's Giants-Padres this weekend. This Giants-Padres series has a different feel to it. The last Giants-Padres series, you thought, well, it's it's the Padres at the top of the mountain and the Giants are just trying to, you know, scramble up. The Giants are ahead of the Padres in the standings. The Giants have looked like the better team this year when they've played. This has a, a different feel to it, a different vibe. Yeah, I mean, you know, last time they obviously broke Fernando Tatis Jr. and it looked like it was going to be you know, a really, really bad injury. And, you know, it turns out he kind of has Sergio Romo's shoulder where something pops out and it pops back in. Um, so, you know, good for him and good for baseball and good for the Padres that he's back doing Fernando Tatis Jr. things because he certainly he certainly looks like a, a superstar again with what he did against uh, the Dodgers. So, you know, it, it'll be a different dynamic with the Padres having him for, you know, we can presume the, the whole series. And and yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's going to be hard for the Giants to compete with the Padres unless they can pitch with them. And that's a tall order when you're going against, you know, the, the very top of their rotation. When you saw Tatis go down in your mind, mind when when did you think you were seeing him again um after the all-star break probably uh i mean pr- that was probably best case scenario in my mind i mean you know for guys who have uh, those shoulders that pop in and out i mean i was thinking about alexander canario who hurt his shoulder at the alternate site uh or no pardon me at an extended spring training and you think oh man this kid is so talented and they're so high on him and now he's probably gonna have to have his shoulder capsule you know surgically tightened and then you think of like uh, what was his name, Marcus Sanders, going way back in the day. If you're a Giants oh gosh, prospect yeah. follower, and 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 guys have that procedure, and it just ends up ruining their careers. And you think, oh, the shoulders are so weird, you know. But but yeah, it turns out that uh, you know maybe he's going to have to have a procedure at some point to stabilize that shoulder uh, if it keeps giving him problems. Um, but he clearly has gotten past it, and um, and he's he's not only able to play with it, but but kind of let the bat go again. And that's that's a great sign for the Padres because this guy is just, he, he's really funny. He's really dynamic to watch. Yeah, I, I thought 2022, I just looked at that. I looked yeah. at him crumple. I didn't exactly know what was wrong. I was like, oh man, this is terrible for the game for the Padres. But man, uh, I don't have any predictions for this weekend other than uh, somehow Tatis will hit a home run against the Dodgers. So look forward to that. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's just going to be fun to watch all three of these teams go after it. You know, we talk so much about Dodgers Padres, you know, it's not like you have to just just pick one. I mean, you can enjoy Giants Padres, you can enjoy Giants Dodgers, um, and it's going to be a while still before you know the the Giants see the Dodgers. So I I think it's just going to be really fascinating to see where these two where those two teams will be in the standings when they finally do get to meet uh, in in May. And and obviously it's uh, the Giants are probably a little more confident that they can they can hang with this division right now. All right. This has been episode 128 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Monday to talk about how they did against the Padres. It should be a fun weekend. And if they do well, or at least uh, make the games interesting, we should have fun on Monday too. So thanks for listening and we'll see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.